Well, this morning, I'm really honored and blessed to have a, a longtime friend of mine here. We met a number of years ago. I feel like he's just a brother in the Lord. But, uh, but more than that, he's a gift to the body of Christ. He's a gift to the kingdom of God. Uh, Pastor Andrew is, is from Whitbank. It's Whitbank, South Africa. And he has a church there. And he's over in the United States just traveling and preaching to some of the relationships that he has. And he's been in the United States now for about a week, a week and a half. And uh, he leaves here. And I think he's going to Georgia or Tennessee. He just continue to travel. But I'm, I'm grateful for relationships. And uh, Pastor Andrew Kennedy uh, carries a mantle on his life. He's a, he's a, he's a preacher's preacher. He's a preaching machine. Uh, there's a strong apostolic call on his life. And uh, I believe he's coming today with a word for this house. I believe your hearts are going to be stirred. And I, 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 y'all know me. I want to make sure that every guest that comes in here, we have to help them to the car. We want to drain them of everything they got. Amen. We, I want to put ushers under each armpit that he has and say, we're going to put you in your car and we're going to drive you to wherever you need to go. That's, we, but that's called making a demand on the anointing. Amen. So, so we want to make sure that we make a strong demand. He's all the way from South Africa, and uh, I believe he's here today by divine connections, by divine appointment, and I know your life is going to be blessed today. Come on, help me put your hands together. Let's welcome Pastor Andrew Kennedy as he comes and brings the word of the Lord today. Hallelujah. So good to be back with you guys. I was trying to figure out how long it was since I've been here. I think it's about eight years, he said. Um, but I am so, so glad to be back. Bless you guys. You can sit down. Let me find about five minutes just to find my feet here. And a pastor scaring me if he says that um, you need to help me to the car. My goodness gracious me. Um, I, my first stop was in North Carolina, <clears throat> and um, I had to, I, I need to walk you through this to, I don't know how I did this. So I was going to fly out of South Africa Monday night, um, 10 o'clock Monday night, and um, that's of course six hours ahead of you guys. Okay, so it's 10 o'clock, and United Airlines texted me and said, um, we canceled that flight, you're flying out tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. So everything dominoed which resulted in this on Wednesday. Wednesday morning, after flying 16 hours from Johannesburg to New York, landing at 8 o'clock that night, getting to my hotel 9.30, I had to fly out the next morning 5.30. Are you still with me? 5.30 from New York to Chicago. Chicago to Toledo, Ohio. Catch a car from Toledo, Ohio to Detroit. Fly from Detroit to Charlotte. Rent a car from Charlotte and drive an hour and a half to my service, and I was 15 minutes early. You can never, ever have an excuse to be late for church ever again. Are you with me in this place? Man, I preached myself stupid that night. When I hit the, when I hit the bed, I slept. I think I, I, I think I slept Wednesday night till the next night that I had to preach. I woke up like five minutes before the service. <laughs> So if you guys can outdo them, let's go. It's so great to be back here with, with an apostle in the Lord. I honor you as that uh, apostle Chuck Pelham. And um, just, just so good to be in your presence and watching what God is doing through you. And um, I just sit here knowing that for you and Pastor Karen, the best is yet to come. I say that by the Lord tonight this morning that the best is yet to come and I want you to understand that good pastors are very hard to find and I think you guys have got awesome awesome pastors won't you put your hands together and honor him yeah come on let's honor them show them how much you love them All of this doesn't just happen. It's always somebody that leads to find people that will follow them. And I honor you for everything that you've done in this great part of Florida. Um, my wife and myself just celebrated our 19th anniversary on the 19th of October. And um, I, I want to, yeah. 
I want to tell all the ugly dudes out there, hang in. If God could do it for me, he's going to help you out. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. It'll, it'll happen. <laughs> it'll happen. You must go on Facebook and see how pretty she is. It could really happen. And then I got three amazing kids. I was telling my brother that um, my eldest daughter is about this size. And then my second, she's, she's outgrowing me. And I got to deal with boyfriends all of a sudden. That's horrible. All you single boys? No. I said, no. Don't get on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever you do. Leave my peoples alone. So I'm just saying that right there. And then, of course, greetings to all my, um, my sons and uh, my members and friends watching this morning. From all over, we pushed the, the meeting, and I think there should be a couple of South Africans that's watching all the way from South Africa. Isn't that amazing? You can touch the world from here, everywhere, north, south, east, and west. All right. I want to start preaching this morning, and let me read my first two scriptures. You've been a blessing to my heart this morning. And um, then you can leave me. And if I look like I'm getting excited at the end, come help me. Okay. If it looks like I'm terrible, come help me. So help me. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. I'm preaching a message that I'm titling, Rebuilding the Church from the Ground Up. Rebuilding the Church from the Ground Up. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 to 6 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Somebody say Elijah. Then go with me to Acts chapter 15 verse number 16. You'll find where I'm going in just a bit. Acts chapter 15, verse number 16. And it says the following, After this I will return and build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again, somebody say rebuild, the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Thank you very much. Father, I, I pray that you will speak like you've never spoken before through me that you will speak to this house and that nobody will leave this place the same way that what they came into this place. But let them be touched. Let people be healed. Let people be transformed. Let their marriages be touched. Let their finances be touched. Let every area of their lives, Father, be touched in Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Amen. If you can give me a little bit of more monitors on the stage, then I don't have to scream too much. That'll be great. In the apostolic prophetic advancement of the church, and if I say apostolic prophetic, can you just wave back at me that I know that I'm talking to the right people? If I say, in the, that's wonderful. In the apostolic prophetic advancement of the church, we, we, we will learn that these two characters in the Bible become of great importance to us. And, and for a case study this morning, you know, I, I can talk about Elijah, and, and I can talk about Elijah, this father figure that raised up an Elisha, and, and the great message of Elisha being twice as powerful, more powerful than Elijah. And that's the true heart of a father. The, tr the true heart of a, a genuine father is, is to get out of the race so that their sons can finish the race. It's the heart of a true father. And unfortunately, when it comes to the fathering message in the world, and especially in America, my opinion, we've had too many hungry fathers, jealous uncles, and unrightful brothers acting like fathers. So we've got the Isaacs of the world that's supposed to see their sons graduate into their inheritance, but he's there sitting in the house, while Esau is out there taking care of his stomach. It should be the other way around. Hungry fathers. Hungry for positions. Hungry for advancement. While, while it should be you positioning your sons to get what they need to get. Then you have these uncles acting like fathers, the Labans in life, that will see you for who you are and see you coming and they will use you for everything that they can get out of you. 
Those aren't fathers. And then you've got Joseph's brothers that are so jealous about the anointing upon your life that they will sell you in a, in a second to get rid of you. Those are not fathers. But the true is about to hit the earth like never before. True fathers in the faith. I was so sad when I read online that Bishop Tony Miller has passed on to be with the Lord. And I can just look at your pastor understanding that he was a true father in the faith. Therefore, your pastor is a true father in the faith. All right. Elijah is, is a case study in the advancement of the prophetic and the apostolic. Another character that, that becomes important to us is King David. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about King David this morning a little bit. Um, if, if I can push you to look towards these two characters, not just being Bible stories, but they are actually churches. You can look at the life of Elijah and find church in Elijah. You can look at the life of David and find church in David. It's not just that David killed Goliath. It's that a church needs to kill the Goliath in their city. It's not just that David killed Goliath, but it's that you, in your life, need to kill the Goliath in your life, in your family's life, in your children's life, speaking to everybody in this place. And if you think God forgot you, listen, listen to what I have to say this morning about David. Samuel comes and anoints David to be king. The next morning, his brothers and father Besides the fact that David was just anointed to be king, they allow him to go back there in the middle of nowhere to take care of some sheep. Don't you for one second believe and think that God has forgotten about you in Cluiston? Because sometimes God will have you in a place where the anointing on you is bigger than the territory that you find yourself in. <laughs> but what but, but nobody knows is that it's there where God teaches you to kill a lion and kill a bear. Come on, speak back to me in this place. That's why David walks into the territory where there is a Goliath. And when the sound hits his ear from Goliath, he tells Saul, I killed a bear and I killed a, a lion. Nobody saw David do that. Somebody needs to get excited right now. Because that's the reason God created Goliath. For you to kill him. <laughs> Somebody say, kill Goliath. That joker was created for me so that I can kill him in my life. Hallelujah. All right. So David becomes a church study. If you look at the life of David, I, I, I find in my study in the apostolic world that David starts his church in a cave called Adullam. And if you will, let me just walk you slowly through this. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse number 1 to 2. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 to 2. The Bible says, And David left there and escaped to the cave Adullam. And his brothers and all his father's house heard, and they went down there to him. That's important. They went to him. And every man in distress, and every man who had a creditor, and every man bitter of soul, Imagine pastoring those folks. Okay, you missed me. I need to read that again. And every man in distress, and every man who had a creditor, and every man bitter of soul gathered themselves to him. Imagine pastoring that bunch. And he became commander over them. And about 400 of these guys met with David in that cave. Now, if you will go with me, it's those 400 men that became the mighty men of David that fought his battles. Hallelujah. It's not what you see right now. It's what God will have you see in the future. I think it's Kim Clement years ago that came to tell the whole world, I'm somewhere in the future and I look a whole better than I look right now. You, you, you need to go ahead and say that as a church. That we are somewhere in the very near future and we look much better than we look right now. Because the down and outs gathered themselves around David. This thing is so powerful that when David goes to kill Goliath, he picks up five stones. And you might think that he had five stones that if the first stone didn't kill Goliath, he would shoot him with a second stone. But that's not the faith of David. David knew that Goliath had four brothers. He picked a, he picked a stone for every single giant. 
But David never ever killed the other four giants. These down and outs, they dealt with Goliath's brothers. Somebody say Adullam. Adullam. That is the cave where David started his church. And then David led them out of this, this cave and he moved the people that followed him. Re remember now, I'm talking about a church. He, he, he led them to a place called Hebron. And in First Chronicles chapter 11, verse number 1, First Chronicles chapter 11, verse number 1, the Bible says, And all Israel gathered to David at Hebron, saying, Behold, your bone and your flesh is now part of mine. Your bone and your flesh is part of mine. It's a great place to have the people of God where you are leading and you are following. A couple of years ago, God really dealt with me because I had to really change the way that I looked at church. And if you will just bear with me to walk you through a little a bit of information, I believe that God is really speaking to the church in, 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 um, uh, at large that Maybe, just maybe, our eyes were so on mega that we forgot to put our eyes on mega people. And, and I had to get to a place, my brothers and sisters, just being transparent to you, that I, I found myself to be guilty, forgetting that God allows me to work with his bride. And, and without me meaning it, you know, numbers became important to me. And numbers are important. My goodness gracious me, there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. So I think numbers is important. Are, are you with me? But, but, but numbers became so important to me that, that God had to deal with my heart with the story of Peter catching fish. You know, the, 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 the miracle of, of, of Peter having a, a net full of fish happened twice. And, and, and the first catch was a great multitude of fish. And I believe in this reset, this rebuilding, because that's exactly where we are as a church at large. At large, we got to redo this thing. I'm so glad that you agree with me there. And part of the re redoing, we as men and women of God need to come together and do this right. Because in that first catch, as powerful as what it was, the net broke. The net broke and a lot of fish got lost there. It's kind of like we are in the church worldwide right now. A third of your church is lost. They left. Where did they go to? I don't know. Why are not coming to church anymore? I don't know. It's just this, I don't care. I don't know. A third of your church. I like to say by the word of the Lord and by faith, they're not lost. They just went for a walk. I'll get every amen that I can get right now. Because every church so far that I've spoken to, preached, in, even in my own church, a third of the people think they can do this thing without God. I've got news for you. I have news for you. You are just going for a walk. You're watching me online and maybe you are there. You're just going for a walk. I call you back into the house of God in Jesus' name. Mm. Where was I? First catch. First catch, great multitude of fish, but, but the net broke. Peter walks with God for quite a while, and he, and he catches fish again for a second time. This time, the Bible says that the net was filled with 153 big fish. The word, the word big there is the word megas, where we get the word mega from. And if you go study a little bit of history, you will find out on that lake that he fished, there was 153 fish species. Can you believe that? And it'll be just like God that he caught the biggest one of every species and it filled the net. So, so not to preach on that this morning, but, but God did something in my heart that I had to look at my people and not just see mega numbers, but see mega people. So sons became important to me. Family became of great importance to me. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, you cannot build a church without building a family. You have to build my family. If you follow my lead, you will find out this is the way that I build church. Let us make man. He never said, let me make man. He said, let us make man. 
families are important to him. All those, all those, all those chapters, all the genealogies. I mean, who cares? God does. Come on, I just caught you all out. You skip those chapters. Come on, be honest in the house of God. Wave back at me if you skip those chapters. But, it, but, <laughs> but, it, but it's there. It's there because it's important to him. Hallelujah. When the heaven splits open, he's addressed as the father. The father speaks up and he says, that is my son. Father, son. Family is important. That he might be the firstborn of many brethren. So, so in an apostolic church, you take the people, irrespective of who and what they are, because you don't look at people at where they're at, you look at where God is taking them. Man, I, I haven't done this for a long time. But I hear the words of Kim Clement the whole time. Somewhere in the future, and I look much better than I look right now. I can't rap to help myself. I just know that one little liner right there. Somewhere in the future, and we look much better than we look right now. And it's, it's, it's leading these people out of a cave to a place called Hebron, where because we are building correctly this time, by building family, that there's a precious Love of God amongst brothers and sisters. And where the people of God look at their man of God and their woman of God. And it is not something that is fabricated. It's real. Where we say, you are now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. We are in this forever. We are in this come hell or high water. We are in this if pastor doesn't preach well this Sunday, more of us will be back next Sunday. Because that is our spiritual father. That is our pastor. Come on, somebody, help me say something here. That church qualifies them to go to this third dimension of taking church. And that's, that's and, and, and uh, somebody prayed here this morning, I, th- I think it was my brother, that, that talked about territorial spirits and so forth. Um, um, a, a church gets ill with those things. When, when the people of God is taken to a place called Zion. Now, Zion in the Bible is a mountain. But Zion is also a position. In fact, in the spirit, it is a spiritual position. And God wants apostolic, prophetic people in the world to take their churches to Zion. Not to heaven, here on earth, to places in the spirit called Zion. Hallelujah. Because this is what's going to happen in Zion. Let me read to you Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. Man, I feel like preaching right here. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. And it shall be in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. All nations shall flow into it. This rubbish that the church is emptying out in the world is the biggest lot of nonsense I've ever heard in my life. I need somebody to preach with me right here, right now. Because if our churches look empty now, you don't know what's getting ready to happen. There's nations, there's nations, there's nations, there's nations about to flow into the kingdom of God. What no eye has yet seen and what no ear has yet heard. I wish I had about five people with me that can preach with me this morning. Come on, somebody. How did they take, how did they take Zion? Well, you can read the history. They went up the water sprout. Water is always resemblance of the word of God. With the revelation, with the understanding that our spiritual fathers in the earth are building us with present truth, establishing us with rhema, getting us situated, we will take Zion. Hallelujah. I want to agree with everybody here this morning in this church that this church is a gate church for this city. That this, this church is on its way to Zion. Hallelujah. My prayer as your brother is that this advance, the course, and everything that is happening here, that it will happen swiftly in the name of Jesus. That you will behold a miracle like never before. And the people of God will truly say, look what the Lord has done. Come on somebody, put your hands together. Give God some praise in this place. Hallelujah. 
David becomes a case study. David is a church. And I can preach on many aspects of David's life. But I've got this one prepared for you today. This is for you corporately. But this is also for you individually. My brother asked the question, how many of you are going through a little bit of hell right now? I didn't see that I had the hands. Why don't you lift up those hands again? I want to see where you are. All right. Corporately, but this word, this word is for you. So I need you to open your ears now like never before. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 1. And it happened when David and his men had come to Ziklag on the third day. Let me pause there for one quick second and say something about the third day. Please keep your hand there and then you go with me. Or in fact, maybe you guys can help me back there. Put on the board for me Proverbs chapter 22 verse 20. Proverbs 22 and verse number 20. I'm, 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 I'll... I'm, I'm sure you guys know what I'm going to show you now, but for the ones that don't know it, let me just go ahead and open this up to you. Proverbs 22 and 20 says, Have not I written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge? So work with me. Say counsels, counsels. knowledge. knowledge. So, so when God wants us to have counsel and knowledge, the way he presents the speech to us is excellent things. Now, if you've got a Bible program, you can look at it in the Strong's Concordance that the word excellent things is the word shalosh in the Hebrew that means threefold things. Now, isn't that interesting? So, it, it can actually read this way. Have I not written to you threefold things of counsels and knowledge? Andrew, what does that mean? Well, it means that God loves threes <laughs> when it comes to counsels and knowledges. So, so when, he, when, he, when he asks Moses to build him a house or a tabernacle, it, it has three rooms. It has an outer court, it has a holy place, and it has the holy of holies. When Thomas asks him, how will we know the way? He answers, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can sow and then you can reap 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. Isn't that great? Bore you, not to bore you. Wait, I need to keep it there. Um, not to bore you with all the information. Oh, then you got to give me sound. Hallelujah. Sound up, sound up. <laughs> so I shouldn't keep it close to my mouth? Gotcha. Now I'm going to preach. Hallelujah. Not to bore you with all the threes, but the point that I want to make is, if you go study the Bible, it's, 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 it's wonderful. It's amazing how God speaks in threes. And not only is it a concept of three, it's on the third day that wonderful things happen. It's on the third day that there was a wedding where God turned water into wine. Then, they, then on the third day, Jesus was resurrected. So you've got to understand that what I'm going to read to you now is, is, is happening on the third day. The day of resurrection. The day where the Lord turns water into wine. I love this one scripture where Jesus tells Herod the following. He says, go tell that fox. Today and tomorrow I cast out demons and I heal people. But on the third day I shall be perfected. <laughs> Woo! Now, if a, if, a, if a day is like a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years like one day, then we are prophetically for 21 years already in the third day of God. So I need you to understand that this pandemic and this virus and whatever's going on, it did not catch God off guard. Hallelujah. And if you are alive and well in this day and hour, you need to understand that we are in the perfect will of the Lord. This is the third day. This is still the day of resurrection. It's still the day where God keeps the best for last. It's still the day where God turns water into wine. It happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day. The Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and struck Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they seized the woman in it and they did not kill any. But okay, David and his guys, they didn't see that, all right? And either small or great, but carried them away and went on their way. And David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire. 
And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captives. And David and the people with him lifted up their voice and they wept until they had no power more to weep. You've got to give me just a quick two minutes here to talk you through a couple of things. When tragedy like this hits, grief can only be explained by the person that's grieving. When my dad died, I had a lot of people come and encourage me with a handshake or a hug. And some of them said, I know what you're going through. And I know that they meant well, but they did not know what I was going through. Grief is grief. The last year and a half has been a terrible time. You don't have to be just speaking by faith right now. It's been a terrible time. We, we have seen horrible things in South Africa. I don't know about you guys, but, but, but the Delta variant that you guys are struggling with, it came from South Africa. Can you believe that? It mutated there. And, and our health uh, sector in, 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 in South Africa is, is so far behind you guys that although we have great hospitals and, and especially great private hospitals, the, the volume of people that got sick with this thing that had to be hospitalized was just so great that, that man, people, precious people, arrived at hospitals and um, couldn't make it into the hospital because the hospital was packed, was full. I had a friend that struggled for air and he drove through to the hospital and he called me and he said, it's terrible. I'm in the parking lot. I've been here for seven hours. They're trying to get a bed for me and people is dying around me. The lockdown, I don't even want to go there, but, but, but the, dra the draconian rules and regulations that evil people, for people with evil for, uh, spirits, Put God's people through has been it's been a horrible time. It really has been a horrible time, and it makes me think of 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 this place that David is in his life. That if if you go read the history, David is fighting a war against his enemies, the Philistines. But in this context, he's fighting with the Philistines against another nation. You must imagine how the men following him were questioning David. Aren't we supposed to fight these Philistines? And now you have us fight with them. But they follow David. They believe in David. David took them from Abdullam to Hebron to Zion. He's the man. What he sees counts. And then they go and they come back from the battlefield. And they see everything burned to the ground. Now look here, I've checked everything that I can check and this last year and a half has pushed all my buttons and I've realized I can do everything but man, it'll be difficult without my wife. I can do everything but man, it will be difficult without my children. Of course, without God, it's impossible but I've checked everything out. I need my wife and I need my children. I don't know why people decided in the last year and a half they can't live with each other anymore because lockdown popped that. No, 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 no. The more me were together, I want, I want my woman. If you took as long as what I did to get my woman as ugly as I am, man. <laughs> so I'm thinking about these guys and I'm thinking about the way we are in the world. I'm thinking about where we are as a church. I'm thinking where we are as the people of God. And I'm looking at this last year and a half, and it feels to me like this, this is what we will, we're watching. Everything is burned to the ground. Life as we knew it changed forever. You guys are so lucky. I feel, I've got to tell you this, I feel like I'm sinning right now because I'm not walking around with a mask. In South Africa, the police will put you in jail if they catch you without a mask on your face outside. I've been wearing that stupid thing, looking like a teenage mutant ninja turtle for a year and a half. And I'm telling you, man, when I came over here, and I, I, I went into Walgreens and I actually tried it. I took my mask off and I walked around. I called my wife. I said, man, you must check this out. 
Nobody is questioning me. No. <laughs> the last year and a half, it's been horrible. We've lost loved ones. We've lost good people. Our churches have been affected. Burned to the ground. Wives gone. Children gone. People weeping that there's no power left in them. Some of my top people in my church. Their mom and dad went on holiday. Healthy woman. She works out. In shape. Eats healthy. I mean just great people. And she goes and she, she does her hair at a hair salon. And the lady doing her hair gave her coronavirus. And the next moment she gets sick. The next moment she's in the hospital. The next moment she's on a ventilator. For 38 days on a ventilator. We grabbed a hold of God. We prayed. We screamed. They flew down to her, back to our church, back down to her, back to us. For a third time, back to her. They would contact me and say, Pastor, please pray. And they would lift up the cell phone to her hotel room. And I would, a hospital room. And I would scream. I would ask God. We trusted the Lord. And she passed. And I'm sitting with precious people in my church that's having to deal with the grief of this thing. This thing came and stole from so many. Wives gone. Children gone. The place burned to the ground. Watch, watch. Because this speaks of so, so of what we're going through. And, and verse number five. And David's two wives had been seized. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the former wife of Nabal of Carmel. And it greatly distressed David, for the people now speaks of stoning him. Hasn't it been amazing how mankind has turned on each other in the last year and a half? My goodness gracious me. I've been coming to this nation since 1996. I'm just going to say this because I'm going to be very careful while I'm preaching in America. I have never, ever, ever seen anything like I've seen in the last year and a half in this nation. And I'm not just watching one television station. I checked it all out. I've never ever seen anything like this. You are a great people. I said you are a great people. I'll, 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 I'll speak to you now about what I mean by you are a great people. And your power is in... Sorry, sorry. Your power is in coming together. We, the people. Oh, come on, America. Speak back to me in this place. We, the people. You cannot allow this thing to divide you. How they have politicized this thing. If you wear a mask, if you don't wear a mask. If you take the jab, if you don't take the jab. And the list just goes on. Division, 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 division. The devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. This, this nation, preaching right now, this nation is responsible for most of the spirit-filled movements in the earth. You're looking at the product of what happened in this nation. In Azusa Street, two men got on a boat by the name of John G. Lake, uh, Lake and, and, and Thomas Heshmalach. And they came to South Africa to spread the word of God. And Pentecostalism was birthed in South Africa. That's a hundred years ago. I got saved in one of the churches they started. The anointing of God fell on me in one of those churches. Here I am back in your nation, reminding you that you need to stand together, reminding you, we the people, reminding you that they seed in the ground for America. Hey, this is not your time to give up and give in. It's actually time for a move of God. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm not just trying to preach you happy. I feel like I'm here on a mission this time. Now the people turn on David. And they spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of the people was grieved. Each one for his soul and each one for his daughters. But David <laughs> encouraged himself in the Lord. Now I've got to tell you something. 
I've been, this is my 63rd trip from Africa to America, 63 times. And, um, you know, I know much more than the next guy that comes, comes and preaches over here. Because I've, I've been through it all. I've, I've preached through about 30 states of the United States of America. And I've, I've, I've had to learn how cultures work, you know. You, you, you preach a certain way in Louisiana, north and south. <laughs> and then there's a certain way that you preach in New, New, New Jersey. <laughs> and when you get to, when you get to California... And, and the brother wants to tell you about, man, God's, God's awesome, dude. Man, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> but I, 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 know more, I know more than the next one knows. But I, want, I, I need to tell you something. that There's something in the American church that is powerful. And you will find that the rest of the world finds it funny that you all are so, are so loud. L- let me prove it to you. So South Africa has a very big British influence. You know, three, four hundred years ago, they, that's how they discovered South Africa. And, and, and when I speak English in South Africa, they mock me because I sound like you. I, I need to get down here to, to really walk this thing through. So, so in South Africa, this is a poster. This is poster Chuck Pelham. Poster. We, we would go to a restaurant and we would order, order water. Can I please have a glass of water? And then nobody would understand us. So me and Danae decided we have to change. And we decided instead of can we please have a glass of water, we said can we please have a glass of water? <laughs> now I don't know why you all talk like you talk like that. But, but the wow is louder. I feel like picking a fight right now. (laughs) Driving on the wrong side of the road, steering wheel on the wrong side of the car, gallons and miles. What happened to kilometers and centimeters and millimeters? Huh? And kilograms. What you talking about? Hey, what you talking about? I'm, I'm making this joke to tell you about something so powerful. Because God loves atmosphere. And there are very few people in the world that gets me when it comes to you guys. Because the American church, they will create an atmosphere. Get somebody to sing up there and the brother struggles. What do y'all do? Come on now. You're doing good. You can do it. Hey. Oh. The British, they'll just sit back there and let him sweat it out. <laughs> there's, there's another people that, that I've had the privilege to preach to, and it's the folks in Cape Town. And I told them a couple of weeks ago, you can never, ever lose your sound. Don't let people mock you because you are loud. This is not so much a cultural thing, American, as what it should be, a kingdom culture. This should be in the kingdom of God. So we need to wake up. The rest of us that isn't like this need to wake up. God can do anything. But the more that I'm reading and studying God, He loves atmospheres. And if you create an atmosphere for Him to come, He will come. And this thing in the last year and a half did everything possible to divide God's people, to put them in their houses, get them out of churches, 
But I tell you what, there's something about the people of God coming together in a house like this. And when they open up their mouths to worship the Lord, man, you feel it in the atmosphere. Hallelujah. You sense it in the atmosphere. And then boldness rises up in me. And I feel like rebuking cancer and telling coronavirus to get out in the name of Jesus. For a revival to break out and for the Spirit of God to move. Come on, praise God in this place. Praise God in this place. You're watching me online. Praise God right there where you are. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. Woo! Man, I pastored the church in Detroit for six years. I loved it. I loved it. Prayer meetings. You would have some of the old ladies. They would come in there, normally with a tissue. Mm. Mm. Lord, my, my, my. Father in heaven. Hallelujah. I, I would walk after them and just listen to them like. Mm. Oh, oh, Pastor Andrew, that's your style. No, 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 no. God gave us a voice. Oh, hallelujah. God gave us a voice to make a sound. What do you think? What do you think David did when he encouraged himself in the Lord? Because last time he did that, his wife got mad at him. I don't think my wife would get mad at me if I... Just standing in the church. And even that is too much for some folks. The Bible says that when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back, David, I think the correct Hebrew meaning is he danced like a maniac. Now, I'm getting too old for this stuff, but just imagine me rapping and going on crazy right now. The thing that gets me, the thing that gets me, is that she told him how unbecoming it is for you as a king to go on like that, dancing naked. David was never naked. David stripped himself of the kingly garments until only the priestly garment, an ephod, was left. And he praised God. Now watch this, because there's a powerful prophetic message in this. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David said to Abiathar, it's important, the priest, Ahimelech's son, bring me an ephod. <laughs> oh my goodness. And why are you so excited? Because I know where I'm going. <laughs> First <laughs> Samuel 21 verse 8. First Samuel 28 verse uh, 21 verse 8. Bring me an ephod. First Samuel 28 verse 21 verse 8. And David said to Ahimelech, Okay, this is Abiathar's father. Those two names you need to re help me remember. Ahimelech is the father, Abiathar is the son. Ahimelech is the father. Abiathar is the son. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? David is running away from Saul. He runs into a church and he asks the pastor for a weapon. Now, Pastor Chuck, I've been pastoring for a long while. And I've had folks come to my church asking for money, for food, for clothes. But I tell you what, it was the funniest thing when I drove into your property this morning when I read that sign saying, you want to try us? Our ushers is armed. I'm like, <laughs> I'm taking that back home. I'm putting up me a sign. <laughs> come here in God's house. We'll, we'll kill you.
acting all crazy here in God's house. <laughs> I've, I've never preached on these lines in a church where there's God. Okay, Ross, let, me, let me just. The man asks for a gun. Have you not a, a sword or a spear? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. Now I want you to get ready and shout. Because what I'm going to show you now is a prophetic message for all of America. It's a prophetic message for this church. It's a prophetic message for you, for wherever you are in your situation. Because the next moment, this transpires in front of David. Verse number 8. The Bible says, so the priest said, so, verse number 9, sorry. So the priest said, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, who you killed in the valley of Elah, it is there wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. You are not excited. I thought you would be breaking this place now. I thought you would be breaking this place down. So let me explain to you. So David comes against Goliath. Let's act it. Come on, y'all, you'll only get behind me right here. Let's act it. Hey, you come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name that is above every other name. And he kills Goliath. Then he runs to Goliath, takes his sword, and he cuts the man's head off, takes the head, put it on his shoulder, and goes to Jerusalem. And everybody in a great triumphant procession follows David. The Spirit of the Lord comes over the priest, and he starts walking to the sword. <laughs> I don't know what was going on in his mind. Maybe it's one of those times that you know God is speaking to you, but it makes no kind of sense. Turn left instead of turning right. But Lord, my house is there. I need to turn right. Yeah, but the Spirit of the Lord is trying to teach you something. Turn left because next time I'm going to protect you from an accident. You're supposed to turn left. And the priest walked to the sword not knowing what's going on. And the Holy Spirit said, wrap that thing in a cloth and take it to your church. Because one day I need to tell America that all is not lost. And although it feels to you that you have lost and you are running away and you are divided I'm bringing you back to the house of God and you need to get your armory back you need to get your weapons back this place was made to praise and worship God like never before there's a sound in the American church that's not in any other church open up your mouth America and give God some praise Yes, Lord. It's there, David. It's there behind the ephod. <laughs> the weapons that you use. Mm. Hey, yeah, yeah. Come on, church. Help this African boy preach. I don't know how to do this. You need to help me right here. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, you should have been up there already. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not just your culture, it's power. It's not just your culture, it's power. Having the ability to praise God all by yourself. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Most other people will run, will run to the pastor. He needs to pray. Man, I have walked in Walmart so many times. And there would be two sisters talking to each other. I would love it. And they would start talking about Sunday service. And the next moment you would find the sister. Go, mm. Man, when Bishop read that scripture. <laughs> And I would just walk past like, yeah, that's my people's right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pick up the sword of victory. 
Watch, 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 watch. Watch, watch. Because you guys forgot that you are giant killers. You guys have killed giants in the past. Say it that you can hear it again for yourself. Say, I am. I am. A giant killer. Andrew, you don't know where I'm at. I'm showing you where you're at. These guys wept until there was no power left. These guys thought they lost everything. Then they turned on each other. Sorry to be so blunt, but that sounds like America. And what are you saying? I'm saying that you need to tell each other, bring me an ephod. It's time to worship the Lord. Do you guys do that church by, do that song by Elevation, worship, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground. Okay. Let's, let's do something worship then. Maybe Alpha and Omega, do you guys know that one? Watch this. I'm done. I'm done. David asks for an ephod. They bring him an ephod. Everybody stand, please. You know where the song comes from. You know where the song comes from. So Israel Houghton preaches for Bishop Tura Bismarck and they sing this song. And um, they, he finds out where the song comes from. It's an old man that works in the bush. He loves to praise God. And he sang this song. You are Alpha <laughs> and Omega and an American person that knows the sound listens to that song and says, if I must release this amongst my people, they will worship you. This is picking up an ephod. This is picking up an ephod. You
Somebody reach out and say, bring me an ephod. I got to worship him right here. For my family. For my pastor. For my church. For my children. For my business. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Down and touch him. He's in this place. Oh, we give you all. We give you all. Watch this. David inquires of the Lord to bring him an ephod. And he starts praising God like we did right now. And David asks the Lord, saying, Shall I go after this troop? Watch this. Shall I overtake them? And God answered. I don't know about you that's a wonderful promise it's a wonderful promise to know that God still answers it felt there for a moment like God was just standing back while everything was just happening in the earth that's not the truth he still answers Here's the word, here's the word of the Lord, here's the word of the Lord, here's the word of, I know it's a story, I know it's a well-known story, but it's, it's, it's not just that I'm giving you a history story, it's, it's that the Bible is still speaking, it's that the word of the Lord is still going forth, I cannot shake this line since the moment I landed in your nation, it says, you shall go, you shall surely overtake and without fail, you shall recover it all. You shall recover it all. You shall recover it all. I need everybody to take it right here. I, I, I feel this is a moment between me and Pastor Chuck. You shall recover it all. Yes. I don't know everything. I just, I just spoke with you about 15 minutes. But for whatever is going on, you shall recover it all. You shall overtake. This is not here to take you out. It's here for you to take it out. I pray for you, man of God, this morning. If I had to come all the way from South Africa and go back, it's fine. But I come here to strengthen your arms. I come here to speak life into you. I say even unto this body, you shall live. Hallelujah. I pray for increased anointing. I pray for increased power. And more than ever, increased wisdom. For the decisions that you are about to make has got to do with you shall recover it all. Come on, go ahead and give God some praise in this place. Come on, give God some praise in this place. You shall recover it all. I said you shall recover it all. I said you shall recover it all. You shall recover it all. You shall recover it all in the name of Jesus. You shall recover it all in the name of Jesus. You shall overtake. You shall pass them by. You shall recover it all. Watch this. Watch this. And then I want you to praise God like you've never praised God before. The Bible says, and without fail. Without fail. What in the world will you do for God if you had a guarantee from heaven? You cannot fail. 
What step of faith would you make if you know that you cannot faith, fail? Before you even start, you know, it's like this big old angels of God is behind you. And everything that you face, like, yeah, just talk to them. I'm here, I'm here to walk through. <laughs> you will not fail. Say that with me. Say, I will not fail. I will overtake. I will recover it all. Now give God some praise in this place. Come on, give God some praise.